Welcome to a tale of two rivals, one nerd, one champ, and a special plus one who fiercely banter to bring you the best fantasy football podcast possible. Who am I joined by? You're joined by FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. And Todd, it's been two weeks. I'm going to give my classic line of I'm happy to be here. Excited to get going. Let's do this. Tale of Two Rivals is back. Indeed it is. Who are we joined by also? Also have FF underscore Walrus in the mix. Just happy to be at it too. Still living that sleep deprived life, but I feel like I'm more educated on television than ever. 2 a.m. viewings, but ready to go. Ready to rock and have like an adult conversation. I feel like you should just stop using your Twitter handle. You should just stop. You should just be Sean Kennedy again. What do you think? That's probably, yeah. They're <laughs> equally as unaccessible, so. That's. <laughs> what about your MySpace? Let's use your my, my, MySpace. Oh, we could listen to some Jimmy Eat World right on the cover page there. Debate my top eight. <laughs> oh, good times, dude. Sean, what's new with you, man? Uh, not a lot. Really nothing. Still just living that, living that newborn life and not sleeping. And that's about it. All right. All right. Uh, Dave, what about you, man? Yeah, I mentioned it last episode that I had an announcement coming up, and it it's live. I am a new writer at Dynasty League Football. Huge. Let's just say that I have always, I love the website. I really enjoy the people who are there. It's extremely professional. The people there know their stuff. And it's just, it's cool to get behind the scenes a little bit and see what's going on. The editor, James Simpson, is really nice that I've handled with it. I'm Doing a weekly column over there on RB Opportunity Share. I just submitted my third one to the editor. Life's good, guys. Really excited to be at DLF, and, and times are good. Dave, you know what's occurring to me? What's that? Is that we are heading into our rivalry week. And I don't know about you, but I am just feeling sluggish about it. I feel like we're both rolling these B teams out there, C teams out there. And I don't know. Are you excited? No, I am apprehensive about it <laughs> because Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, they're all not doing so hot right now because they're not going to play. So probably, uh, yeah. So I'm not. That's and that's where I try to build my team around is running backs and wide receivers, but and, and quarterbacks and tight ends. And, well, and Kyler Murray's on on by and and uh, Zach Ertz. Well, I'm not sure if I'm. I might just leave him in my starting lineup because I'm not sure if I notice a difference between him on IR and him. <laughs> in, uh, yeah. Uh, you guys keep fighting for second place. I'm enjoying the. I'm enjoying the battle. I got some big news, gents. What's the news, Todd? So my life mission is complete. I got Travis Etienne. It took me a month to finally trade for him in the Debbie League. I was pretty excited. Finally got that done. But in the same week, I also traded for Cam Newton and instantly regretted it this week. <sighs> um, I lost Dak. It's a super flex week. I needed to do something. And unfortunately, I had to move Cortland Sutton at the same time, which it hurt. It hurt a lot. But yeah, no, I've been banging out Debbie content. I showed up on the IDP Guys podcast last night. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I went off about the Patriots of Cam Newton, and I also drew a blank that Delvin Cook did sign an extension. I totally blanked on that. Question, Todd, real quick. What's up? Are we going to address the Joey situation? Joey the Two situation? We can address the Joey the Two situation. What would you like to know about the Joey the Two situation? What happened, Todd? You were all over social media there for a bit. The IDP <laughs> world was aflame it with was. viral videos. It was. There were some wonderful trash talk videos between me and Joe going back and forth. Joe, like, put himself in, like, the shadows for his. It was, it, like, he went, like, he really thought about his background. It was impressive. Aaron Donald did just not show up for me that day. And uh, I lost by four. And uh, his adorable daughter taunted me with a crinkle toy saying that this, that they might as well rip up my team. 
it was it was rough. It was rough. But um, yeah, no, Joey won. And not only did Joey backhandedly insult me in his response in his tweet. I mean, I also defeated you in, in our IDP league this week. So it was a tough week for you for IDP, my friend. It was. Uh, it was a tough IDP week. <laughs> and, and, the, and, and in the league that uh, I'm first in for uh, a full IDP, I lost to uh, Sean Lanigan, who uh, had Tyra Lockett. So I was screwed oh. from the get. Go. The one thing I was most insulted by with that video is he called that belt plastic. And I made sure that he heard that metal cling, baby. But yeah, no, I mean, podcast is great. I was on with Sean and Johnny last night. And this school year is absolutely freaking draining. I'm so thankful for fantasy football. Sean, you want to introduce the question of the day, dude? Yeah, so last weekend in a group chat, Todd uh, Todd dropped in a gif of King Joffrey from Game of Thrones <laughs> as someone who exemplifies himself. And he won't, you know, he's one who he strives to be. That was a word salad and a half. <laughs> so anyway, you know, I think the... And everyone knows by now the parallels between Todd and King Joffrey are striking. And it got me thinking, who are the rest of our TV doppelgangers? King Joffrey's like me in fantasy. I'm not really like that to where I release my competitiveness and aggression. But I'm actually like a pretty nice freaking dude most of the time. I was stuck between two people and I was curious if which ones you guys would pick. So I had Chandler, witty, super sarcastic, always busting balls. Clearly has anxiety, which I can relate to. Joey would totally be a dude I would hang out with, and Monica definitely does it for me. Definitely. <laughs> and then the other one is Marshall Erickson. Lovable, confident, passionate, loyal, cares deeply, and is intensely emotional. I am a mess at times. And I'm just not nearly as polite as him. And Sean, I could consider a slap bet in the future. Possibly consider a slap bet. Oh, you got to do slap bets. I got... I had somebody cash in a slap bet on me in the middle of taking pictures at another friend's wedding. Ooh. Like we're both in the wedding party and all of a sudden he just yells out, cashing it in, reaches across the picture and decks me. It was epic. There's a picture that actually has his handprint on my face. <laughs> see, see, these are the things that like, there has to be boundaries, man. <laughs> You're like, that poor couple. Like, what's going on? The Marshall Erickson me feels deeply offended for that. I'm very upset. So, would you guys consider me more of a Chandler or more of a Marshall? Chandler. If it's between those two, it's Chandler. That's totally Don't fair. Don't even have to think about it. That's totally fair. Yeah, I'd go with Chandler too, Todd. Like a little bit more of a, a louder Chandler. A little louder Chandler. What? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you guys were married to me, you'd see the Marshall in me. All right. What about you, Dave? Who's yours? I had a really tough one figuring this this one out. So I just, the one that I tried to actually mirror a lot of some of my mannerisms over, and I really enjoy his humor and his randomness, and I try to bring that when I'm interacting with people. I, I love Cosmo Kramer. <laughs> He's my, I love, I say giddy up all the time. That's my, the entryway into Jerry's apartment. I have that down packed. I have the, I'm out there and I'm loving every minute of it. These pretzels make me, I got every, I, I got all of the Kramer repertoire in my bag. Uh, and just like the spreadsheet part of me, the nerd part of me, just imagine that I'm like when Kramer had that fake job and he brought the, the Ritz crackers in his, in his briefcase. Love that's kind of, that's just how I am with the spreadsheets. So I don't even really work here kind of thing, guys. So I'm just playing around with spreadsheets, just pushing buttons. So yeah, Cosmo <laughs> Kramer, giddy up. I love it. I love it. Sean, what about you, man? Yeah, for me, it was, uh, it was pretty easy. It was Norm from Cheers, kind of wanders in. Norm! Sits in the corner drinking. Has some really dry, sarcastic 
banter to throw into the mix, isn't wild about his job, is just sitting there dreaming of his dream job of being the beer taster at a brewery. And I'm hoping that at some point I'll end up in the same position he did, where in season eight or whatever it is, he becomes the beer taster at the Sam Adams Brewery. It's amazing. So you know that show like really well, huh? I mean, not well. I just remember that outcome for him specifically because I was like Fair. 15 when I saw it. And I was like, that makes sense to me. That's just, that, <laughs> that's what it is. It's my dad's favorite show. I definitely remember watching it as a kid, but like I have, I don't remember the plots of anything whatsoever, but I love that one, dude. Norm, good stuff. All right, you guys ready in topic? Let's do it. This is our IR special, as you could probably tell because you can read the title. We all know IR is very prevalent in today's fantasy game. So on this episode, we're going to really try to sort through this IR mess. So gentlemen, what are some approaches you have to acquiring guys off the IR? I'm going to start with Dave on that. You know how I am, guys. I don't believe that injuries really exist, so I just view it as a holiday a lot of the time. So <laughs> Hence why I started with you. But in all seriousness, though, things that I like to do is I really I like try to think psychologically about what my trade partner is thinking. If, if I think they're panicking, like, do they feel a strong sense for win now? Are they giving up on the season? You know, just try to get out of them what I think they want from an injured, like uh, if they're ready to move on from injured player. If And sometimes they have that initial reaction of like, no, I'm going to hold on to this guy. I still view the value. But if it's a longer injury, you wait three weeks to four weeks. And that's cooled, and, and it's just they're reaching that abyss. And then you approach them again. A lot of strategy goes into dealing with the IR, and a lot of it's a case by case basis. So that's kind of how I approach the IR, and just every trade is dependent on what I'm trying to do with my team. Hundred percent. It, it IR is definitely case by case for sure. What about you, Sean? Yeah, I think you know. Within obviously, it is case by case, but generally, I usually like trying to strike early. You know, so with Saquon as an example, when he went down. So, I mean, that was, what, week three? Mm-hmm. Trying to get in there and getting a trade in and trying to pull that trigger because the deeper you get into the year, whoever has him is going to start to figure out, well, maybe it's worth sticking in for. You know, maybe my team's not as good. It's not going to produce. And then you're going to end up having to pay full value. Whereas if this person's thinking they could hang in there without him, maybe you can get in for cheap. Um, and then, you know, the closer you get to a return, the more jacked up they're going to be. If they're seeing off-season workout videos where he's you know, jumping out of pools and landing on his feet the way he normally does, or you know, if you see Austin Eckler videos at practice tomorrow, you're going to hold on for two more weeks. You're not going to be yeah. rushing out to trade him. So for me, it's, it's about getting in early and trying to beat the rush and take advantage of that vulnerable state that they're in. So I'm kind of like that too, but when you say strike early, I mean strike right away. But when it comes to IRs and guys I'm talking about striking right away, I'm talking about a building block, a cornerstone, a guy that is out for the rest of the year. It's early in the season. I want to strike it while you're emotional about it. <laughs> so I want to get you when you're really mad and you just want to irrationally move on from this. I want to really think about what the injury is. With that said, are there any injuries that you guys are certain more concerned about than others when you're buying into a guy coming off the IR? What about you, Sean? The only one, I mean, like something truly catastrophic, like a Peyton Manning broken neck uh, yep. is obviously kind of its own category. The only one that really gives me a lot of pause is either Achilles injuries, which I'll, I'll get into later with a player I wanted to talk about, or really more re-aggravation or just reoccurring injuries. So right. multiple ACL tears, you know, like a Bryce Love right. situation. Yep. Um, but if it's a one-off ACL, like Cortland Sutton with his one ACL tear, I'm not that worried about that. Yep. What about you, Dave? 
I am not a fan of high ankle sprains. Hate it, I, hate it. Hate I, it. I am also not a fan of those. Correct. There's a high risk of re-injury with high ankle sprains. That it zaps their it zaps their ability to cut and plant and do all the explosive things that make them really well. And then you don't really know how recovered they are on their timeline. So you might play them. They put up a dud week. There's a lot that goes into it. And a lot of the time you hear from people talk about these high ankle sprains, they say they don't get right until two or three months into the off season. So it's just, it's, I don't like them. I, and I don't like them. I'd rather have a, like a meniscus cleanup or something. Maybe they're out four to six weeks. I don't care. I'd rather have the knee thing going on than a high ankle sprain. It's just, it just, uh, I don't like it. Yeah, I, I'm actually with you on that one, too, because I think that that's like a very easy, like reoccurring injury. Also, if a guy comes back too soon, what before they do, it seems like we're just going to be back where we were. Uh, for me, another one is uh, arms and shoulders. Just for some reason, they don't seem to heal well. And I feel like players do not come back 100%. Obviously, quarterbacks are beyond uh important with this injury but i do think about it at all like those main upper body injuries that i feel kind of tend to not heal as well and you guys have any issues with that injury with like the arms and the shoulders i know when they pop out like shoulder popping out like that can become an, uh, an issue like especially if it's not repaired surgically yeah from just what i picked up anecdotally i've heard that can that can be a pain that's Pretty much while all mine is anecdotally, I feel like I've just seen shoulders injuries been something that lingers. Before we get into any like guys that we say to, these are the guys we're thinking about buying, these guys are going to avoid, we're going to jump into three studs of discussion. We're going to talk about Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and Dak Prescott. First one up, Saquon Barkley. And we're going to have three key questions, and we're all going to try to discuss them at the same time. First question, is Saquon Barkley still a top five dynasty back? Dave. For me, he just makes it. He's a top five dynasty RB overall in my rankings. However, it really depends on the lens that I'm looking through. If I am a win now team and he was a central piece for me, obviously he is because he's Saquon Barkley. I was he's supposed to be my workhorse, my the guy who's putting me up 25 points a week, hopefully. If I lose him and that's the major piece that I need to keep contending, I'm willing to drop him down 10 p 10 points value-wise just to keep contending if I'm still that ready to compete. I have no problem dealing for a Miles Sanders. Like Miles Sanders, it might be tough to get him with Saquon Barkley. But but otherwise, on the other hand, and if I'm a rebuilding team, Saquon Barkley, I might view him as my number one overall running back because I don't want CMC on my team because he's scoring points and hurting my draft picks. And Saquon, that's the beautiful part about Saquon. He's not scoring points, hurting your draft capital. And his value is going to increase as soon as the point, as, as soon as the season's over with. So that's, yeah, that's Saquon Barkley for me in a nutshell. That's lit, the scenario you just described, I literally did. That's oh, affirmation. I love it. Sean, what about you, man? Yeah, he's still in there for me. Um, and I think it's more about, you know, those other guys that are up there at the top with him, Kamara, Zeke, CMC, they all belong mm-hmm. right there. It's more about who's not knocking him down those rankings. Because I think despite, you know, the knee tear and being on the Giants, which is probably worse for him than the actual injury, is, you know, Jacob, CEH, Sanders, Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry. I don't think those guys have enough to bump him down for me. You know, I think I got a lot more questions about them than just knee injury plus Giants equals bad for Saquon. We should probably go into like what he did first. Too. So everyone probably already knows if you're listening to this, you know, it's it was a serious, so it's an ACL tear, it's serious, but guys do come back from that. 
Uh, he's scheduled for ACL reconstructive surgery on October 29th, and it was reported that doctors are hopeful he'll be ready for training camp. There was a delay because there was a train MCL, but he didn't have any sort of um, infection, which is a huge deal in surgery, obviously. So with that said, things are looking bright. Well, <laughs> things are looking bright for making it back by ne- the beginning of next year. So to me, he's still a top five back easily. Kamara, CMC, Zeke. That's it. Those are the only guys for sure I'll put ahead of him. If you'd like to make an argument with me with Miles Sanders, CEH, or Cook, I'll listen. I'm probably not buying into it, but I can accept the argument. So by far, definitely a top five back. Why is he worth investing in while he's on IR? Like Dave kind of already went into this a little bit. Dave, do you want to expand upon that a little bit? I I should also be remiss to say two of his year his years are being drained away in New York. Sean kind of touched on a little bit too. Mm-hmm. It's depressing. He's overcome terrible offensive line, terrible coaching, terrible QB play. He suffered through a high ankle sprain last year, and now this injury this year. The, the prime of Saquon. We're missing it. This is supposed to be the glor- the glorious Saquon. Sa- Saquon 101. It, it, it's just really frustrating. And I just want to revisit and say, hey, all the people who thought was Saquon a good pick at, at five overall in the NFL draft, how's that working for the Giants now? Two. How is, how's that doing? Two overall. Two. Two. Yeah, see, that's what, two overall. That's right. I forgot. So how is that going for you guys? How's that going? I don't think – did he change your organization around? Nope. 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 Anyway, so yeah, and then how how do I go about training for him? Like I want to boost the ego of the person who's trying to to compete. It's like, hey, you know, this could really put you over the edge. If you, you know, you take this piece. I'm even willing if I'm contending or if I'm rebuilding, I'm willing to overpay what people like you guys are saying top five. I'm willing to pay more than top five mm-hmm. RB prices just so I can get him on my squad because I know his value is going to increase the healthier he gets. So if I need to give away more win now pieces then people might say, like, oh, that's too much for Saquon. He's injured. He's not even playing. I don't care. I want him on my team. And I might even, if I'm rebuilding, I might not even have him play for me. I might just mine the value while he slowly gains value in the offseason and then trade him again for more pieces with a value spike. So that's just how I, I kind of go about it. All right. I like that. What about you, Sean? For me, it's just because his price will never be lower. And Dave's got a good point. And, I mean, the Giants are just a dumpster fire. Thank God they split his city with the Jets so nobody notices how bad the Giants are. <laughs> but, you know, right now you're kind of in this lull of he's in just the beginning of his recovery period, so you're not hearing anything about it. Whoever lost him, if their season's over because of it, they're not going to move him, right? Why, why would they? What's their motivation? But if they're a team that's still hanging around, you might be able to get them into a little bit of a desperation play where you can take a later first maybe in like a low-end RB1, like a Joe Mixon, package that up. And get Barkley for somebody. I mean, Joe Mixon's a bad example because he didn't play last week. But somebody kind of in that 11 to 15 range that you can package up and flip and upgrade your squad for not a ton to still give them back that player. And I think this is the time to do it. Because right now you still got a lot of pretender teams hanging around. But we're already in week eight. And in the next two weeks, those pretender teams are going to start to figure out that they don't have it. Mm-hmm. And the second they do, that door closes. So I think you got to start knocking on it now while it's still open. So for me, that's what it boils down to is the two things of that team might still be in a position where they can make a move and try and get into the playoffs and this communication black hole and news black hole that Barkley's in at the moment as he just recovers is the lowest he'll be. The second he starts working out again and posting videos, people are going to go nuts. So I'm kind of in a similar boat with you with that. I think it's ideal for that middle ground team that's missing that piece for next year. It's potentially a good move for a rebuild team. 
Though you're going to require some significant capital to get him. So if you're in a, so I feel like this is where we get into semantics a little bit. When I see a rebuild, I'm talking about like you're at the bottom. You need to re, you need to redo this whole foundation. You got to just pretty much start over. I think like Saquon's a tough guy to get as part of that. I think I'd rather have more picks and see what happens in a few years because I don't think Saquon Barkley is going to bring me back from this from the basement. If you're in the middle and you're a pretender, like Sean would say, is I think that that he's the perfect guy to be looking for for that for that missing like middle piece. And if you're moving a pick, like a first round pick, um, within a part of a package, he's worth moving the pick for sure. So how would we approach obtaining him? So for me, like I think it would take probably there's so many different things you could do. Obviously, when you're talking about a trade, I if if I'm owning Saquon and if I'm in a situation where I'm still trying to compete, I want a back back. And I want picks. So I want to be able to put somebody into my lineup as a running back. Like, so the two guys that popped in my head were David Montgomery and like James Robinson right now. Give me those guys and give me at least a couple of first-round picks. And that's a steal. But that's a solid haul for a guy also on the IR. So I feel like that's something that, for a contending team, for a team that's kind of in the middle, that's a great mutual move. I like that a lot. I traded for Saquon in a team that I decided that I'm not a contender this year. I traded a 2020 first, a 2021 first, and uh, Jonathan Abraham, who's a it's an IDP league. So I, I felt that was a freaking steal and a half. I was pretty excited, but I also made that move about a week or two right after the injury. You need at least two first round picks in a deal to get probably Saquon. Do you guys disagree? I disagree. I don't. I, if I have Saquon and I'm trading him because I'm a contender, I don't care about first round picks. I don't. I want win now pieces. That's the whole point of a That's the whole point of trading away Saquon for me. If other than that, I'm not trading him away. That's fair. I could uh, I could get behind. I you're you're right. I mean, I think the problem is when you're theorizing like what would be the the actual move. It's tough to figure out like what the piece would be. I would definitely need. Well, in that case, if I'm trying to contend, I lost Saquon. I probably want a couple of backs. But that's a tough thing to be able to see. Like, do you have that to make a move? Like, I don't know. What about you, Sean? I'm with Dave on that. You know, they're going to be more about who can they plug in now. And I think if you, like you said, David Montgomery, that's a, if you could take like Montgomery and Carson and yep. put them together with, you know, a top 15-ish pick, you know, closer to 15 yeah. than to one, I'd say that's pretty good. That's giving them that lineup protection that Barkley cost them. Um, while still, you know, a little something sexy for next year. But like Dave said, next year is not going to be the exclamation point for them. It's going right. to be this here. How do they do it now? I think what I'm trying to, I think my whole point is it's it's tough to theorize what you have. Like, do you have those two backs to be able to move for Barkley? And even with that, obviously you need more. If I'm, if I'm contending, I have Barkley and I get back a back that I can sub in and I get those two first round picks, I'm only strengthening my team beyond that year too, while still staying competitive. And I can also look to make moves elsewhere with those picks later on to get guys that I'm just not staying committed to because of one guy's roster. You know what I mean? I think that gives you a lot of capital later on to be able to do some things later on in the season and not in just one move. You know, it's easy. Like, draft picks are attractive and to a lot of different people. There are a lot of different ways you could move that versus certain pieces. That's kind of the only thing I was trying to say when it comes to using the first-round picks. And typically those teams is like you're like, I'm also thinking that those picks are for that draft and the following draft as well. But, all right. Do you guys have anything else to add to that? I would just add, too, 
if I am trying to acquire Saquon, I am trading away pieces that have acquired a lot of value quickly, mm-hmm. like players that didn't have a lot of value heading into the season. And I have a lot of like, just to try to cash out on that return on investment, just like take that value spike and give it away and just get out and, and cash in on it. That's kind of thing. Like I know Travis Fulgham isn't a key part in any deal Oh geez. or James Robinson. Let's, uh, James Robinson is better example. It could, took me very little to acquire him, but now that I have him and he is, a, he is very valuable to some people. I love the idea of cashing out at, with a, with a, in a big package to get Saquon. I just like that, that setup. CMC's return. So injury history. There really wasn't any. I mean, the guy had, he was durable. He hadn't missed a game until this year. He's activated from IR this week and he started practicing on Tuesday. You know, oh man, I don't know if you guys read anything about it, but I read the Charlotte Observer and they were giving like a piece by piece for like what he was wearing until he was wearing pads in the afternoon. It was hysterical. It was like, it's like he's just in a t-shirt. He's around the camp. He's like, Oh, he put on pads by two. It was like, oh, this is great. So, like, so anyways, are you guys expecting him to be his old self after being out five weeks with a high ankle sprain? I want to start with Dave because Dave had some hate about high ankle sprains. I, I, ha- I have no idea how he's really going to come back because he's been out for a decent amount of time. Yep. CMC's off my, if I don't have CMC on my team already, I am not, he's just not in my realm of acquiring because it's going to take a boatload. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know how he's going to do coming back. So I, I just, I, I throw my hands up and say, I hope just for my enjoyment level and that he is back to, to full health and, and everything. But I, I have no idea. I, I hate to, I don't want him to get re-injured. I don't want a more, a more serious injury to happen. That's just, uh, that's just as like a fan wise. That's how I'm approaching it. What about you, Sean? Any thoughts on CMC's return? You know, he'll be, his game will be what it usually is. But I think what you're going to see is this, you know, Ron Rivera fever dream from two years ago where they want to actually limit his touches because Mike Davis has been great. Mm-hmm. And I think now they actually have somebody that they can say, okay, 20 to 22% of the share is going to go to this other guy so we can kind of manage CMC a little bit. And in this case, ease him back in, keep him healthy. Because before, I mean, who else are they going to give the ball to? Reggie Bonifin? Like, mm-hmm. no, of course not. Yes, it'll be the old him, but it's only going to be 80% of the old him. Or 80% of the time. All right. Spoken um, like a true CMC manager. It's wishful thinking, Dave. Through and through. <laughs> I, I'm a little worried about 2020 because I'm concerned about whether the injuries healed properly. Like, I'm with Dave. Um, high ankle sprains make me nervous. So, I, I don't know what to think. I think I need to see a game about 2020 and see where we lie with that. But is there a buy window here? And for me, there kind of is. And I, well, not now. There was. But the buy window would have been a few weeks ago when he's still sitting there and people are really sure that they're contending. If you're contending and they have CMC and you can give a good package, there's a good chance you can get it for cheaper than you ever possibly could have. My piece on CMC is I do believe that a high ankle sprain is something that could be easily re-aggravated and re-injured. And it does concern me. So for me in 2020, I need to see him play to be feeling a little bit better about that, see what he looks like on the field. However, if I'm looking to acquire him, the buy window is gone, but I feel like this conversation is more talking about, in retrospect, what would have been a good way to acquire him. So, yeah, it's a little late to be talking about this, but at the same time, let's reflect. With that said, in 2021, he's still a top two back, easily, right? So, 
you're looking at a team who has them. If they're contending, and you can offer a package to keep them contending, and there's a back involved in that deal, you could probably make a trade here for a contender. What are they lacking in depth? Where could they use a significant upgrade? And Superflex, who are their quarterbacks and who are your quarterbacks? And could you, they could possibly need multiple solid running backs for a playoff run, right? And the number one thing to consider when trying to trade for CMC, how would that, man, would that manager that you're trading with benefit from giving up the number one ranked player and sell that? There's so many times where people would send terrible offers for stud. And why would I do that? How does that help me? I know that helps you. How does that help me? There's a, there was a window to get CMC. And being able to answer those questions and point out, and if you had an answer for those, and that's your sell right there. This is how it helps your depth. This is where I'm improving your roster in multiple spots. These quarterback switches helps you here. And you're going to have more depth when you get the playoffs. And I'm going to have CMC to help rebuild myself next year. That's how you do a trade with that contender. So if you're trying to rebuild, he's going to command a haul right? And you're going to need to benefit a team in a complete rebuild. You're looking at a, a young stud, some first-round picks, including players that have been over-expectation, like Dave said, like James Robinson to sweeten the deal and max out on your cheap investment. There was a window. There still could be a window this week. It's just more difficult because he's coming back and emotions get higher and people want to see what, what they have now. So I traded for him a couple weeks ago. Uh, I traded Devontae Adams, who you guys love, um, Adam Thielen, and a Debbie second for CMC and a Debbie seventh. And that was also with Joey the Tooth, who's turning into my favorite trade partner across like a thousand leagues. What about you guys? Buy windows, approaching the trade for CMC. What do you guys think? Sean. Yeah, I think the window's closed, and I don't think it was yeah, ever definitely closed now. really that open just because, you know, he went down in week two and they were never really concrete about a timeline they're like oh it's a high ankle sprain he'll be gone for three weeks he'll do the minimum ir step and then three weeks turned into well no you know he's not ready to go on week five maybe it'll be week six and then week six they're like no it's definitely going to be week eight and even now they're kind of like well maybe just because it's thursday maybe it'll be week nine so you've kind of always had this tease or that owner that manager has always had this tease of he's coming back so it's not about man how do i like get out from under this and keep my team afloat for this year. It's just a question of how do I survive three weeks? And then three weeks turn into five weeks. But at that point, maybe they've already figured it out. Like as somebody who has CMC, I didn't try and move him to get some big package. I made a smaller move and got Melvin Gordon. And I feel like that person has made these kind of more smaller adjustments. So I think because of that, because that's the mentality of those people is just how do I stay afloat until he's back? Whatever price you're going to pay, you're paying number one dynasty player overall price tag regardless of the injury. So I think the thing is, if you're going to sell CMC, you're out of it. And I know it's second week, but if you're savvy enough and you look at the rest of your roster being like, I was really relying heavily on him. But for a contender, I do think there's still a buy window there. If you have, if you're in the middle and you have pieces and you want to get that, that bigger piece there. I do think that there were people that, because they're not certain when he's coming back, you just won the league. You have CMC. You're not sure what's going on. Someone puts a package on that makes the rest of your roster super just just strong. Instead of to give up one piece, I do think there was a serious buy window there for a few weeks. If you have the depth, also, 
you're a terrible example because your running back depth is fantastic without CMC. So, like, you could have braved the storm without CMC for a while. You know what I mean? So, once he's back, just makes you that much stronger. But you, it wasn't like you were desperate. Does that make sense, Kennedy? Yeah, I mean, I still disagree with it, but I understand what you're saying. Uh, as somebody who has him somewhere, I would have still been getting full value in a trade. That's what I would have wanted because that person's getting him for this year. That's why they're coming back. That's why they're coming for him now. I'm not going to give out an injury discount because it's a short-term injury. That's totally fair, and you shouldn't. My number one thing is, how would that manager benefit from giving up the number one ranked player? You just can't. You can't lowball this one. If you're trying to go out for a stud, you got to give. You get. You got to pay the value, man. You got to pay for the price. You got to pay the price to get that guy. What about you, Dave? I will disagree a little bit with you guys in that I don't think this the CMC injury is or the window is totally closed because if he does come back and he disappoints for one or two weeks, like Saquon did last year. Good point. That that manager might panic because they're like, oh, I've stayed afloat. Yep. I've stayed afloat. And Sean says, you're right, Todd. Sean's situation is that he is a little bit more, has a lot of RB depth. But most CMC managers, especially in redraft, but most CMC managers, and with this a dynasty conversation, they're top heavy usually. It takes a lot to acquire him. They, mm-hmm. you know, it, so that's when they acquire him and they've stayed afloat, they've stayed afloat, they're still in it. Maybe they're, th- they're you know, four and three. And they're ready for CMC to come back and take like push them into the playoffs. But then that first week or second two weeks, he's a dud. Then you slide in and say, hey, what about this? So there might still be a window. But I was tempting. I was tempted to to trade away CMC at the start of this season just because his value is an all time high. There was a huge chasm. Fair. Uh, CMC and everyone else are that tier has shrunk significantly. Over this time, if you look at rankings, CMC has come, his like lifetime value or whatever you want to call it has shrunk considerably and he does not separate himself from the rankings like he did. Mm-hmm. That could change with some healthy weeks and, you know, life's great again. But like I said, CMC for me on any of my teams, I don't want to pay that price that Sean's talking about because people are most likely going to be requiring a high price. I'd rather go after a Swift or other players than going after CMC. So I'm out on CMC all the way. All right, that's fair. I The one thing I absolutely being out in the CMC is totally fair. The one thing I did like is I'm glad you brought up the buy window if he if he struggles because it does reopen a little bit. You know, I'm not saying that that's probably more on the rare side, but the, it's in the realm of possibility. Or if or if Mike Davis like gets a little bit more, he's earned a little bit more role. Maybe if CMC doesn't, he struggles. And Mike Davis is getting 25 percent of the of or 30 percent of the opportunity then it's like, okay, then there's a swoop. And it's like, what? come on, CMC guys, next year things are, you know, so that's what I'm kind of thinking. Do you remember in the early episodes where I used to call people fantasy cockroaches and it sounded terrible? Like they just always found life in fantasy land? Like, <laughs> no, we- I really don't. <laughs> it happened. So Mike Davis is a fantasy cockroach. He always finds a way to find value at some point in life. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, you like, He's just like, he's stored away, he's a backup, whatever, but yeah, he comes back at some point. I thought you were about to call me a cockroach. No, I would call you much worse things. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I love you, man. <laughs> so, <all right. laughs> the Dak discussion. All right. Dak, horrific injury. Compound fracture, four to six months timetable. I actually was shocked that it was that low. The only thing I saw worse was probably Gordon Hayward. That was, that was rough. 
Is he still a top five dynasty QB? Sean, what about you, man? Is he still a top five t- dynasty QB? Yeah, he is. Um, I, I flipped back and forth between him and Watson, but I'm, I'm confident having Dak in there. And even if the contract situation doesn't work out, which I imagine now it's going to be just even more of a mess, even if he were to leave Dallas short of him going to the Jets and being subject to the succubus, I feel pretty good about Dak. Like I'm I keeping him top five. All right. Love it. Dave? Uh, no, he is not top five for me anymore. Uh, I, I, it's just because he's top six or top seven or something like that. Okay. Uh, it's not like he's like, oh, he's terrible now. Uh, and it's just too because of the contract situation. He had, his weapons were so attractive in Dallas that True. if he were to move on, he'd still be a top 12 quarterback because d- just Dak is that good. Mm-hmm. Just the contract uncertainty. There's other players that I have over him. And, and that's just how I approach it now. Who would you rather have, Justin Herbert or Dak Prescott? Oh, Justin Herbert. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Justin Herbert's a top seven dynasty QB right now. It was funny. So I, I could not remember who had Herbert in our league. And I was like, all right, Lamar Jackson, Herbert, what could I get back in a package? Like, this could be like, this could be very lucrative for me. Then I'm like, oh, Sean has him. Not screw that. That ain't happen. You're very welcome to try. No, I'm all set, dude. I'm not giving you Lamar Jackson. So, but I was like, I would do it. But I'm not going to trade a phenomenal player to my contender. That would be a bad idea. Is Dak worth investing on off the IR? Let's start with Sean. Uh, see above with Barkley. Price is never going to be cheaper between the uncertainty over the contract and the injury just having happened. Well said. Yeah, between those two things, I think you know, you're never going to be able to get a lower price. I had somebody, I inquired about Dak in one of my leagues and somebody told me it would take three first round picks to land him heading into this year, which sounded insane. Uh, But I'm sure that's not the price now. You know, I think you're going to see people who are contending willing to make, make a move or people who are even in a rebuild might be looking to cash that in because of that uncertainty around the contract situation. Totally. What about you, Dave? If I'm contending, I'll take almost any top 10 QB and just throw, and then basically how further down the QB ranks you go, I just want more win now pieces to get me to an even trade. Uh, I think Dak's a really easy person to trade away because he's, he is great for a team that, Hey, maybe I was looking to spend, I'm just like a QB away or, and, but I'm not right quite there yet. I can jumpstart my, my whole process by going out and acquiring Dak. Also uh, a commodity that people, need to replace because he was a central part of their team. So I just really think he's a good play. He's a player that one of the players that we've seen the most traded on IR because I've seen a lot of trades go down with that. All right. I'm going to ask you guys a question. You have a top two pick for sure in Superflex. Let's just say like you just know. You're either going to end up with Trevor Lawrence or Justin Field. You want Dak or do you want to take those two rookies? Oh, man. Right now, it's a, if I'm rebuilding and if I'm a far away away, if I'm like a long ways away, from rebuilding, I'll probably take the rookies. But if I'm, I have a, a decent team that was surrounding me. I'd, I'd be, I'd take Dak. What about you, Sean? Uh, yes to Lawrence Fields. I'm a little more hesitant on. I agree. You know, I'd, I'd say, I'd say no, but I'd have a hard time committing to that. I'd go back and forth a lot. So that that kind of segues into what I'd be doing to target Dak. If you're targeting Dak. You're probably out of it. Like if you're in a super flex league and you're lacking a QB and you're looking towards 2021, 
you're probably moving like a healthy quality quarterback, Matt Ryan, maybe, who's like very frustrating to own. Could have probably picked a better example, but somebody in that realm and a first to get Dak. I think that that could possibly work because, especially, well, if the Dak owner is somebody who could possibly be contending, and they probably were in a super flex league at one point. If you're in a position to be also get Lawrence or Fields, it's not worth investing into Dak. If you're towards the bottom of the league and you got to give up your first round pick, probably not worth it. And for the record, I'm taking Travis Etienne over Justin Fields all day. What about you guys? Targeting Dak. What are you trying to move for him? What's the scenario? We'll start with Dave. Jo- I love the idea of dangling Josh Allen because uh, he's had a great start to this uh, this year. He's it's cooled off a little bit. Aaron Rodgers would be a player that I'd be trying to uh, dangle because he's been having a good season. It's tough because there's a lot of the mid-range QBs haven't been living up to up to snuff. Like Matt Stafford hasn't been what we thought he would be. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been what we thought he'd be. Uh, Cam Newton was, and then he wasn't. And then it's a lot of younger QB, like, and then there's just the QBs at the top. So it's tough. I'm usually doing picks and a, and a, a mid-range QB, like a late QB one or QB two, two to get him. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Sean? Um, similar idea taking, you know, back end QB one high QB two, somebody like a, like a Jared Goff who has been good so far this year. Um, you know, but his miss games are pretty bad. And when he's good, he's good. Or, you know, like a Carson Wentz, I feel like it's somebody who checks that box too. And maybe now that like Alshon's getting cleared, Jalen Rager's coming back, Dallas Goddard's coming back, you could get somebody to bite on that potential. Um, I will not let Sean live in his Carson Wentz fantasy land. Uh, <laughs> that because there's like people are like dying for Jalen Hurts to overtake his position at any moment here. So I'm not letting Sean live in his J- Carson Wentz fantasy land. That's fine, dude. Wow. I don't take up residency there anymore. Um, so I guess even just as a casual visitor, that's not permissible to you. But <laughs> nope, nope. So somebody in that same kind of range. So I, I just Jared Goff at all. Then is what I'll say. Um, you know, just that that QB ten to like QB fourteen range. Yep. Pair him with another asset and try and move that. Ryan Tannehill. I, I think we're all saying the same thing. It's like a a good quarterback with some solid picks. Yeah, how do you Correct? jump up a tier? Right, but like when, so let's just kind of just come full circle here. When are you going to want Dak? So you're going to move a QB and some solid picks. Are you in the middle? Are you rebuilding? Are you a playoff team and you just don't think you have it this year? Like when, like when is that happening? What about you for Sean? Just... Not if I'm a playoff team, even like a playoff team that I don't believe in. Uh, yeah. Because if you're good enough to get to the playoffs, that quarterback jump is probably going right. to cost you too much elsewhere. Right. I agree with you 100%. I mean, so for me, like, I'm usually not the sixth team in. I know Dave, like, lives that life. But for the most part is <laughs> is that, like, you know, when you're, like, in the top four, there's no reason to invest that far down. You know what I mean? I also think, like, rebuilding all completely, like, it's just too much capital there, you know? Kind of like that middle ground. That's that's the sweet spot. What about you, Mr. Six? When are you going to get Dak? Uh, yeah, any team that's outside the top six teams. Like, yeah. Even if I'm, like, I'll look at it. I need to make a, I'll look at my all-play record, see how I am, like, how I would be against all the teams and all, like, so far. And if I'm struggling around 500 or below 500, I maybe overachieve. Uh, I'm willing to just turn it in and just, and take Dak tank for a better draft pick at that point. Running along. So these these IR returns recommendations, buys and sells. 
where you're just going to have two buys and one sell. Since I'm going to model this like Hansel, I'm so hot right now. I'm going to show you how to get it done, rapid fire, gents. My two buys. One, I got three. Austin Eckler. Not going to talk about him too much because I keep getting talked about by talking about the same people. Moving on. So, pick one. Dallas Goddard. It's kind of an easy one. Literally, everyone is hurt in Philly. Jaffrey is, for some reason, never on the IR, even though he's never healthy. Uh, he's also on the block. The only player that could be more talented than him than coming back anytime soon is Jalen Rager. I, like, Ertz is out four to six weeks. There's a huge opportunity for Dallas Goddard right now. Weirder redraft leagues, he might even be on your wire. But if he is, let me know if that league has an opening. Dallas Goddard all the way. I just got to ask a quick question to you guys. Travis Fulgham. Buying or selling after 2020? Do you guys think he's a legit dynasty asset? I'm not trading away for a third-round pick. I'll tell you that much. I'd rather hold on to him than get a third-round pick for him. So, Okay. What about a second? It depends on your roster at that point. Yeah, so, I mean, and also what you think the pick is. But ideally, yeah, if I'm just thinking off the top of my head, yeah, I think I'd rather have a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. Maybe with uh, some more supporting cast and Philly gets on their feet again with the offensive line, he, start, he keeps putting up consistent wide receiver three weeks. So why trade him? All right. All right, cool. So jury's a little out in you past this year, which is fair. You're not selling him cheap, which makes zero sense right now. Uh, if you're not getting at least a second for him, it's not worth moving him. I would agree with that. Sean, what about you, man? Yeah, same. I'd take the second, but with a third, you know, third round pick, you might as well just stick. I think yeah. he'll be, you'll file him in the same file that you put Greg Ward in. I'm just like, yeah, he's worth hanging on to to fill in for injuries or some kind of bipocalypse scenario or something, but you don't feel great about it. Yeah, dude's hot right now. He's hot. All right, my second pick, Tevin Coleman. No one stays healthy in that unstable backfield. He's a good back. He's cheap. Somehow it's still ambiguous in the by midseason. So that's a solid move for a team that's contending. If you're not contending, do not trade for Tavis, for Tevin Coleman. Now, do I think Tevin Coleman's going to be like your RB2? No, I don't. Could be a possible flex. Good depth running back. It could really help in a playoff situation during a playoff run if somebody goes down. If it doesn't work out, shouldn't really cost you that much. If it costs you more than a third, then you overspent. And whoever has Seven Coleman is probably pretty frustrated and has no expectations for him. Seven Coleman is one of my other buys. Sean, what about you, man? I can I do I mind if I take a turn and show Todd what rapid fire looks like? I no, you know what? I do mind that because I am feeling pretty good about coming in a lot quicker than Todd did as well. All right, give it take it away. I had a question about Travis Fogum, otherwise, I was flawless. This will be it. Number one, Cortland Sutton. Three reasons why the injury was early, so he'll be back for the start of the season next year, barring any kind of major setbacks. He's clearly the wide receiver one for this team, as Tim Patrick's ascension to the number one option has shown. This isn't a team where anybody can st- step in because the team is good. Drew Locke isn't great, but Cortland Sutton was doing it with him. Joe Flacco is even worse, and Cortland Sutton was even better with Flacco. This kid can just straight ball. And when he comes back next year, he's going to slot back in as that wide receiver one for a team that's going to be in a wicked competitive division and is the worst team in that division, so we'll be seeing a lot of negative game scripts. Second pick, Paris Campbell, who I loved coming into this year, but him going down with the injury, that's tough, and I think him being lost for this year means that whoever drafted him 
paid up with a first. And they are probably frustrated as all hell and are looking to get out. But he's a guy who runs out of the slot a majority of the time. And what we've seen this year is that T.Y. Hilton is done. He is absolutely cooked. And he is gone after this year. He's an unrestricted free agent. I think you're going to see a world where Campbell comes back and is the wide receiver one for a team that is pretty complete. I don't think they're going to be looking to do a lot. And either Rivers will be back, in which case slot receivers rejoice. You know, he keeps saying if he's playing well, he'll be back. He's not playing great right now, but the second half schedule is pretty favorable for him. They'll make the playoffs, so that might encourage him. Or he doesn't come back, and they'll be picking a quarterback pretty high, would be my guess, because that team is pretty well-rounded already. In which case, great, Campbell gets an upgrade. Sign me up. Clock it, Todd. Done. Hit the chess clock thing. If we take <laughs> out a timely question, because we're on a podcast, I was much quicker. That's No. No, how could you even say that with what I imagine is a straight face, knowing that we can time this? (laughs) All right, just to try. Okay, Mr. (laughs) Vernacular, moving on. (laughs) Just to try to get on Todd's level, I'm going to give you a quick first one to get out of the way here. I knock on the door of the Chubb manager just to inquire, see what his price is. He still has three weeks to go before his injury. Not a lot of buzz about him. Kareem Hunt is flashing Cleveland. Let's just, maybe I can get some kind of discount with Chubb. Then, my first pick, though, Jalen Rager. He's a little bit more difficult to acquire now that he's been designated to return and he's practicing, but I still have him as my uh, in my top tiers of rookie wide receivers, even though a lot of other people have, uh, there are other wide receivers that they're raising up around him because they've been on the field and Rager's been injured and Philly's been a dumpster fire. Still love him, still dynamic player. Doesn't matter if I'm rebuilding or not. I want him on my team regardless because I think his value is going to increase. Uh, Michael Pittman is my second pick. Philip Rivers is doing his best to suppress all of the receiving value in Indi- Indianapolis, and I think he's gone next year. Uh, nice, nice pick. A uh, nice plant your flag kind of guy, Sean. Philip Rivers, well, well done, sir. Uh, Michael Pittman <laughs> was seeing his snaps, routes, and targets all increase over the first three weeks of the season. It was clear the coaching staff wanted to feature him. Uh, his value is naturally taking a hit again, just like Rager's, because other receivers around him have increased. I'm happy to try and take some of the players that whose value who have increased like a Fulgham, like a Gabriel Davis to try to package them together to get a Pittman. And yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking, guys. Those are my two buys. I mean, it was quick, but anyways, <laughs> so, who are you avoiding, Dave? Go ahead. I'm avoiding Odell Beckham. He's He'll be close to 29 years old when he comes back from his injury. Best case scenario, he lands on a different team next season, but he still has a $12 million cap hit. Um, if Cleveland trades or releases him next year, he's still demanding the targets, but he's just a depreciating value that I'd rather have someone else has a headache on their team. And I know that's terrible advice, but it, like, don't worry about the headaches and, you know, value, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't matter. Todd likes him. I don't want him on my team. And mostly I put this here just because everyone in our home league needs to understand that Todd is a snake oil salesman and will try to convince you that OBJ is a good buy. And he's going to rob you blind in the process. Don't do it, guys. Stay away from OBJ. <laughs> it's so true. I hate him so much. And now I can't. <laughs> and now, now I can finally say it. He's freaking done. It sucks. I tried to trade him. Would you say that Robert Woods is better? <laughs> I think he's more consistent. I've always liked him more. But I thought OBJ had a better ceiling and better like, trade value. Could you say that again, but in a rhyming scheme? <laughs> No, because he got hurt and we have an injury clause. Sean, go ahead. Who's your who's your who's your avoid? Yeah, mine was Marlon Mack. Um, I think he on paper kind of looks like a sneaky 
like he's a UDFA this year, so he could land in maybe like a rebuild like a Miami or with the Jets or even like in Buffalo to try and build some consistency into that backfield. And like on paper, I feel like it looks maybe a little attractive as somebody who flashed a lot and could get into a situation and be valuable. But that Achilles injury is terrifying. And I saw this study today when I was poking around online saying that if you take the three-year average from before that injury, specifically four running backs, and compare that to the three-year average after that injury, it's a 78% decrease in the overall production that that player puts up. And something like 24, it was, or 23% of players with Achilles injuries never actually participate in a regular season game ever again in their career. Mm. So I think even if you can get him cheap, unless it's absolutely dirt cheap, like, you know, a Todd grilled cheese dirt cheap versus like a good grilled cheese, then stay away, get out of there, because that is an active landmine. <laughs> you sure that was well, a good call right there. You, sir, have just officially never getting any ribs from my house ever again. Todd, I know I'm still I'm horrified cheese. by that time you made three grilled cheese sandwiches in like six minutes. That shouldn't be and, possible. And I enjoyed them. Get off my lifestyle, bro. <laughs> All right. You know what? Also, like, you'll understand soon enough, bro. You're new to this game. All right. So it only takes one hand to make a grilled cheese. It's, it's you about, couldn't even eat a sub, Sean. It's it, about no, time. It was an Italian <laughs> sub. You could eat a grilled cheese with one hand. <laughs> no, Sean right. wants to make a gourmet grilled cheese one handed. All right. You guys want to time me? Ready? Raheem Mostert. Already blew it. You're already over. <laughs> He's old. I like the guy. I like his story. High ankle sprains are lingering. It's an ambiguous backfield by week eight. I'm not confident in any investment there unless it's dirt cheap. Move on. I'm done. <laughs> I thought that was pretty solid. All right, gents. Dave, where can they find you, buddy? Find me at everyone's favorite Dynasty website, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, writing a running back opportunity share article each week. And you can also... Find me on Twitter at FF underscore Spaceman, my, my weekly database for 2020 season with every advanced statistic that you'd like, uh, and it updates very quickly. It's a great resource if you're podcasting, if you're writing, and if you just want uh, some research for your fantasy teams, check it out at FF underscore Spaceman. Wow, that was a pretty solid ad there, buddy. What about you, Sean? Can they find you? No, not really. Um, so instead, I'll just say, go watch the trial of the Chicago 7 on Netflix. Watched Ooh, it last night through. at like three o'clock. It is fantastic. That's a just good call. absolutely great flick. It's just, just good, just good piece of history, bro. That's yeah. just good stuff. I love it. Uh, you can find me at ff underscore banterman on Twitter. All about that banter. If you send me a trash talk video, I will probably send you one back, and it will be vicious. I'm putting out a lot of Debbie content at the Dynasty Football Digest. Um, I have just been confirmed that I will be having Debbie rankings up on the site sooner than later. And you can definitely check me out on the Tale of Two Rivals, trying to make sure that I'm keeping Sean well-behaved. So on top of that, please hit me up if you ever want to talk about Debbie, if you want to talk about Dynasty, football, whatever it is. I'm down to banter. I'm down for Twitter. Let's, let's do this. Let's have a conversation. Gentlemen, it was a good time.
We did it, guys. And to close out the show, just because I wanted to make because he's probably the only one still listening, and I wanted to make him listen the whole show, we have an email to read to the listeners, Todd and Sean. <laughs> That's right. This comes from Brian Sad. And this is to the uh, at tale two rivals at gmail.com. Always hit us up if you want to uh, a question answer on the show. Uh, most of the time I respond unless it's something like this where it's, hey, Spaceman, I want you to know you don't want to talk about wing sauces and how you enjoy them. So I already shot about my what I think about condiments are overrated. That being said, he wanted us to talk to friend of the show, Sh- uh, Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf uh, I butchered Shia's, Shia's name. So friend of the show. Tell him that Peanut Butter Falcon was awesome from Rolling with Mahomey Brian Sad. So I just want to tell you, Dave, my wife made the best shepherd's pie of all time with condiments. It was fantastic. Interesting, Todd. Did that cut deep? I mean, Did that cut deep? What no, were the condiments? It, uh... I'm not, I'm not, I'll tell you in another conversation, Sean, Dave won't appreciate it. He doesn't deserve to know. I mean, if you make it with condiments, they are no longer condiments. They are, uh, they are part of the recipe. Ingredients. Is the word you're looking for? Yeah, they're ingredients. They they were intended as condiments and became ingredients. You just have to you have to appreciate a condiment and what it could be, Dave. Dave's got a point there though. When did you apply them? I didn't apply nothing. I just ate it. It was great. Oh, so if you're not applying anything, then it's not a condiment. It's an ingredient. Condiments are applied by you, <laughs> sir. No, no. Condiments can be applied by somebody else, but it depends. If they're applied Absolutely. after the cooking, then it's a condiment. Yeah, maybe if you're at a at a at a Wendy's or a McDonald's, they put ketchup on your burger. So Ugh. so if you break out a condiment and you put it in in the cooking process, you made that condiment into an ingredient. So therefore, that condiment has versatility and has value. Correct. It, it, it no longer functions as a condiment, isn't it? But it originally was designated as a condiment, and then it showed its value. Todd, Todd I will not accept this line of argument. Dave, are you there's, saying there's... that nobody has ever applied a condiment to anything in your house and then given it to you? Not, not over my dead body. No, sir. <laughs> what do you put on salads? I put on my own dressing. I, I don't want, I don't trust someone else's judgment. What do you put in your wings? I don't put anything. I, they're just, they're on it after when they're prepared that way. No, that's a condiment, dude. After no, they're prepared buffaloes, and you're tossing it. No, that's a condiment. It is not, sir. It, it is, is not. Is a, condiment. a condiment is, is dipped condiment. or applied after it's prepared. That's what I'm saying. What you're, you're putting buffalo sauce in the cooking process. You burn it off. What are you new here? Oh, that's terrible. Nope, no, sir. Because what's happening is you're not a. Nope, nope. It's it's still an ingredient because it's not done. You have not finished preparing it yet. Terrible. That's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Hey guys, I'm gonna make some wings. Oh, I'm done. But I, let me. Oh no, I'm not done because I still have to put buffalo sauce on it. Okay, so you're not done. That was like the outtakes before the outtakes. Oh no, I'm counting those as the outtakes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs>